0: We are in a message series called, Do You See What I See? And we're talking about seeing people, seeing the world around us through the eyes of God. And we're asking the question, do we see people? Do we see situations? Do we see circumstances through God's eyes? I would venture to say that for many of us, uh, the answer oftentimes is no, unfortunately. And Pastor Brian has done a great job these first two weeks talking about on Orphan Sunday, uh, talking about how we may not all be called to do the same thing, but we're all capable of doing something. That really inspired me and encouraged me uh, to just want to help people, to just want to help orphans in particular. Um, I may not be called to bring children into my home, but I'm capable of doing something, and I want to make sure that I pray and seek the Lord and figure out what that is and then do it. And then last week, he talked a lot about how uh, we can help people that are different than us, because we're surrounded by people who are different than us, and sometimes we avoid it because it can get messy, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit today as well. Um, but we can help people that are different than us, and that's actually what God has called us to do. Today, I want to talk to you about people in need. We're going to talk about people in need, and we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter three. Um, but before you turn there, I just want to tell you a little story. Um. Several years ago, actually a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I worked at a place called Montgomery Ward, and I just told you my age by mentioning the name Montgomery Ward and saying I worked there, and for those of you that know about Montgomery Ward like me, it's probably time for you to get some checkups on some things, if you know what I mean, so go ahead and schedule those checkups because we know about Montgomery Ward, let's get that stuff out the way, and then let's keep it moving. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I digress, but I used to work at this place called Montgomery Ward, and one day, I was in my early 20s. I'm pulling up to work one morning and I had just stopped at McDonald's and got me a hot sausage biscuit and some hash browns and some OJ. I'm not going to lie. It was two sausage biscuits and some hash browns and some OJ. That's besides the point. But anyway, I pull into the parking lot. And when I pull into the parking lot, this lady walks up to my car and she's like, excuse me, young man, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so she walks up to my car and she's like, do you have, can you spare some change for me? And I'm like, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I just spent my last few dollars on this breakfast from McDonald's. I don't have any money to give you, but you know what? Why don't you take my breakfast? That way, at least you'll have a hot meal. And so she reaches out her hand and she takes the bag from my hand. And I'm like, this is cool. We're about to have this really touching moment, right? This is awesome. I'm helping somebody, right? Anyway, she takes this bag out of my hand and she opens my bag from McDonald's and she reaches in and she takes out a sausage biscuit and she opens the sausage biscuit and she looks at me and she says, I don't want no blankety-blank sausage biscuit. And she throws my food, y'all. She threw my food. Now, this almost, she almost went to being in need for a different reason. You feel me? Because I was about ready to knock a lady out. But anyway, I'm a pastor now, so we don't talk that way. So let me back up. So she throws my food. And I'm like, what just happened here? She throws my food. And she's like, I don't want your blankety-blank food. I asked you for money. And then she starts walking off. And here I am, 20 years old, innocent to the world, standing beside my car. And I'm like, what just Happened, And from that moment on, I decided, you know what? I'm never helping anybody else again. I'm going to eat my sausage biscuit myself. I'm not giving people money. These people all just want to beg for the wrong reasons. She was probably trying to go get drunk and high and 15 other things that she wanted to do with my little bit of change that I worked hard for. And she didn't deserve it. And she threw my food and now I'm mad. So God ain't helping nobody else. And that was it. I decided I was done. Right. And some of you may have a story like that. Some of you may have a story where you tried to help somebody that was in need and it didn't go well, and so you decided you weren't going to do it anymore. But let me challenge you with something. God has called us to be merciful to people, not to judge them, right? And so sometimes when we find ourselves in that situation, we want to respond with judgment, but that's not what we're called to. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that today in Acts chapter 3. But before we do, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for this day, Lord, and thank you for your many blessings in our life, Father. I pray that you fill me with your spirit, that I would speak as an oracle of you and that your spirit would flow through me. I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive your word, Lord, and you would be glorified in all we say and do here today. And Jesus is in your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let me take a deep breath because I was thinking about my sausage biscuit, got a little upset. So let me take a deep breath. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. And just to give you a little bit of background on what we're about to read here, if you think back just a couple of chapters in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And right before he ascends into heaven, he has a little talk with his disciples where he says, my spirit is going to come. And when my spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. So the, the disciples have been commissioned to be witnesses for Christ. And then in Acts chapter 2, we read about the Holy Spirit coming. It says that he came like a mighty rushing wind and that tongues of fire came down from heaven and almost sat on top of their heads and that they went out of the upper room, out of that experience where the Holy Spirit came upon them. They went out into the streets and Peter, Peter preached really what was the first message of The Christian church. He went out and he told the people, you need to repent and trust in Christ. And scripture says that that day, at least 3,000 men were added to their number. So we have this great revival that just takes place. Beginning of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has come, the promised Holy Spirit. These disciples are empowered to be witnesses for Christ. And so we have this great experience. And then the end of Acts chapter two, after the people were added to the church, we read that they then had all things in common that they would in houses together, eating and breaking bread, like we do city homes, right? And that they were in temple together, that they would go to the temple and they would hear God's word. Like we're going to do a city worship on January 9th. Come on, somebody say amen, right? This is what they were doing. And they had all things in common. They bore one another's burdens and they lived in community this way. This is what was going on in Acts chapter two. And now we jump into Acts chapter three, and this is where we're going to start reading. Excuse me. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, excuse me, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, "'I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk.' And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple.' asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So here we have this amazing story. The disciples, Peter and John, are walking. They're on their way, going somewhere. They're walking into the temple. It's the ninth hour, and they're going to pray. And they come across this man who's been lame since birth. And this man is there. He's expecting something of them. He's going to ask them for alms. And that's where we have this great encounter. And what I want to do today is I want to almost, in a story kind of form, pull four things out of, out of here for you that, that God kind of gave me a little bit of insight on that God drew to my attention. I want to pull them out for you as it relates to people in need and just talk to you about them for a few minutes. Is that okay? If not, we're going to do it anyway, so I'm glad you're going to stay tuned in. Let's hop to it. So the first thing is this, Peter and John were going somewhere. Peter and John were going somewhere. It said back in verse one, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Have you ever been going somewhere and come across a person in need? Have you ever been on a mission like you had a task that you were trying to accomplish? Picture it's January 9th, it's launch day, the doors of Seven City Church are about to open and you're in the parking lot, you're walking into the building and as you walk up to the building, there's this person there who's been lame since birth and they're asking something of you. This is the situation. This is what's happening to Peter and John. They're going to temple to pray and they come across this person who's been lame since birth and this person that's normally overlooked, this person that we normally step over or walk by, ask them for alms. Peter and John were going somewhere. Maybe for you, it's not church. Maybe you're not on your way to the temple to pray. Maybe for you, it's you're on your way into the grocery store, or you're sitting at the stoplight waiting to turn left on Taylor Road like I do every day, right? It's something that's happening, but you are going somewhere. You have a purpose. There's some intentionality in you, and you come across a person who's in need, and they are expecting something from you. Which brings me to the second thing that jumped out at me, and it's this. People in need are all around us. We're always going to have people in need around us. Verse number two said, And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Have you noticed how people in need are all around us? And here's, let me clarify something for you. Need isn't just a money thing. You know, sometimes the person that you see that may be in need that is all around you is the lady who's in Walmart that has five kids and her kids are going crazy. And you can look at her and tell she's stressed out and she's at her wit's end. And the need that she really has is for someone to just smile at her and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. Maybe the need that you come across is your coworker who's sitting at their desk crying their eyes out because they just found out that their spouse was cheating, and the need that they have is for someone to just come and sit beside them and say, you're going to be okay, let me pray with you, let me just be present with you while you're going through this time. Maybe the need that you come across is your, is your mother or your father who just call you to tell you they got a bad report from the doctor, and the need that they have from you is your presence, your time, your energy. Need isn't always a money thing, Right? And so we need to be aware of that when we talk about people in need. People in need are all around us. They're all around us. And oftentimes, like Pastor Brian talked about last week, We don't want to get involved because it gets messy, right? And so when these people in need step into our sphere, oftentimes what we will do is we will look away, we will walk by them, we will step over them, we will do our best to ignore them, rolling up the window at the stoplight, doing like this as we walk into the store, pretending we got a phone call we don't have, just because we don't want to have an awkward interaction with someone that's in need. But people in need are all around us. And God put those people in that place. Scripture says at some point, some of you have unknowingly entertained angels when you helped somebody that was in need. You didn't even know, right? And so, but people in need are all around us. And here's the third thing that jumped out at me, and it was this. We have to make an effort to see them. We have to make an effort to see them. The next verse says that, and Peter directed his gaze at him. Let me stop there for a second. Peter made an intentional effort to see this man. It didn't just say that Peter was walking by and just happened to look over real quick. No, it says that Peter directed his gaze at him. That means that Peter intentionally stopped and looked down where this man was, whether he was laying on a cot or he was laying on the ground. Scripture doesn't tell us, but Peter came up and Peter saw this man and he directed his gaze at him. Peter saw somebody that was in need. He made an effort to really see him, to see him. So when we talk about this series, do you see what I see? Are you making an effort to see what God sees? Peter directed his gaze at him. Now catch this, seeing people really involves three things. It involves compassion, it involves empathy, and it involves an active Response: Seeing people involves all three of these things. That you have to be moved with compassion. Scripture talks about how Jesus, when he saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he he told the disciples to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into that harvest. Those laborers, that's you and that's me. There's this thing called empathy, and empathy is not sympathy. What empathy really means is I'm willing to come down to where you are. Yeah, maybe I'm feeling up here right now, and you're down low. But even though I'm feeling like I'm up here, I'm going to come down and meet you right where you are. I'm going to put myself in your shoes. I'm going to step into your situation. I'm going to feel what you're feeling because that will elicit an active response from me. And that active response is me being present with you. It's me praying with you. It's me meeting your need. And we see our Heavenly Father go through this whole list when he saw us, when he looked down from heaven and he saw his creation that was caught up in bondage and caught up in sin. And he said, they need me. He said, I see them. I see that they are hurting. I see that they are oppressed and they need me. So he had compassion. Jesus' scripture says in Philippians chapter two that he emptied himself of his glory. And then in John chapter one says that he clothed himself in flesh. That's empathy. Jesus said, I'm gonna put off who I am. I'm gonna put off being up here and I'm gonna come down to where you are. That's empathy, right? And it elicited an active response. And that active response was Jesus allowing himself to be nailed to the cross in your place, in my place, because Jesus saw us. He saw us in the midst of our depravity. He saw us in the midst of our sin. He saw us in the midst of our brokenness. And we need to see people the way that Jesus sees them so that we can be moved with compassion, so that we can have empathy, and so that we can respond actively. Now, y'all, we just came out of a series on prayer. And in that series, one of the thoughts that crossed my mind is, Yes, we need to pray more. Yes, prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do. But sometimes for some of us, prayer is a cop-out because instead of having an active response that involves us getting messy, we will say, let me pray for you. And that's really our way of saying, I want to stay out of this, but I'm going to send one up to the big guy upstairs on your behalf, and that should be good enough for you. Let's not be that church. Let's be willing to get messy. Let's be willing to have an active response for people where we come down and meet them right where they are because we're so moved by compassion when we see the crowd because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let's see people the way that Jesus sees people. Let's see people through the eyes of God. And here's the fourth thing, because when we see people, God is glorified and people are impacted. When we truly see people, when we see people with compassion, when we are moved with empathy, and that empathy causes us to have an active response, God is glorified, and people are impacted. Look at what Peter goes on to say. Peter says to this man, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Let me stop right there. I have no silver and no gold but what I do have, I give to you. What Peter was really saying is like, look, I know you're in need and the thing that you asked me for, you're asking for alms, you're asking me to give you some financial response and I don't have any of that, but what you know what I do have? I have Jesus. I may not have money to hand you right now, but what I do have is I have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me and he's here to heal you, he's here to restore you, he's here to redeem you. I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have is so much better and that's what I'm gonna give to you. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. And what had happened to him? Because when you see people, God is glorified and people are impacted. Peter and John, they were going somewhere. They were going to the temple to pray. They were on a mission. They had a place they needed to be. But Peter made the decision while he was going there that he was going to see this man. Because people in need are all around us, and Peter was intentional about making sure that he saw someone that was in need. He he had compassion, he was moved with empathy, and he had an active response when he saw this man who was asking for alms. And then Peter's response was, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I do have, I'm going to freely give to you. Let me tell you about this man named Jesus that I know. Let me tell you about his, his power to heal and to restore. Let me tell you about that and let that power flow into you through me so that you can now rise up and walk. And everyone around that sees it will glorify God because of what God has done in you. There's a passage of scripture I want to read to you. It's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It's not going to be on your screens, but it's a passage you've actually heard Pastor Brian quote a lot this year. It's Matthew five thirteen through 16. And it says this, "...you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand." And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Because when you see people, God is glorified and people are impacted. We are called to be the light of the the world. We are the salt of the earth. And when we do good works for God's glory and for people's benefit, people see that and they glorify God. They glorify our Father who's in heaven. There's another passage of Scripture I want to read to you uh, that's not going to be on your screens. It's James chapter 2, and it's verses one through, 1 through 13. Actually, I know that says 1 through 10, but it's 1 through 13 because I like to read. So here it is. It says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith, hold the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you? Are they not the ones who drag you in the court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, You are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressor. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point becomes guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged, who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Not the law of condemnation, not the law of sin, but the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy To the one who has shown no mercy, because mercy triumphs over judgment. And look, I get it. When we look at the world around us, when we see people who are homeless and hungry, oftentimes our brain goes to, you know what, everybody's hiring right now. Why don't they just run out and get a job? What's wrong with them? Why do they want my money? Why do I need to support them? We are not called to judge them, we are called to be merciful. Now, I'm not telling you to give all of your money to every person that you see on the street because, honestly, a lot of those people do want to use this money for wrong things. That's not our place to judge. But what I am saying to you is that when you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit of God that you need to make an impact in someone's life, even if it's going to cause you to be messy, you need to do it. When you feel prompted by the Spirit of God that, hey, you need to bless this person financially or, hey, you need to go and sit with this person and pray with them or, hey, just go and listen, be a listening ear for this person, You need to have discernment and be led by the Spirit of God to act in those situations because that's when God is glorified, that's when people are impacted, and that's when lives are changed. But you have to choose mercy over judgment because oftentimes our human nature wants to point out how much people deserve the situation that they're in. You know, oftentimes our human nature wants to put out, point out all the wrong things that they did to get themselves into that situation, but think about all the wrong things you and I have done that God has so graciously bailed us out of time and time again. Mercy triumphs over judgment, and I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that God chose mercy over judgment when he looked at me, that he looked down and said, you deserve death, but I'm going to give you life. That he looked down and said that you deserve hell, but I'm going to give you heaven. That you deserve punishment, but I'm going to give you freedom and life and liberty. I'm so thankful that God chose mercy over judgment when he chose me. Y'all, people in need are all around us. And it's about to get very real for us as a church. As you guys know, if you've been following Seven Cities, a little over a year ago, actually October 5th, 2020, Pastor Brian and I, it was our first official day as Seven Cities Church staff. Although we weren't on staff, we weren't getting paid. The church didn't have anything to pay us at that time. It was our first official day where we were no longer on staff at the church we were at previously, and we were free to work on Seven Cities 110 percent. October 5th, 2020, remember that date. It's very important to me. Then on, on January 3rd, 2021, we launched online, right? And many of you that are watching right now, watch that service. We had our online launch. It was a big day for us. A whole bunch of people were on Facebook and YouTube and all over the place. And it was amazing. And we've been doing services online ever since then. But as you know, uh, since that time, we've looked at several buildings that we wanted to try to lease, to build our church in, to have a place where we could meet corporately. And we started out looking at buildings in Harborview. And if you're not familiar with the area that we're in, I live in a city called Suffolk. Pastor Brian lives in Chesapeake. All these cities are kind of intertwined, hence our name, Seven Cities Church, because the people who live here, you may live in one city and shop in another one and go to school in another one. It's just how all these cities operate. And Harborview, which is in North Suffolk, is a very affluent area. There's a lot of people who have a lot of means that live in that area. And that's not the reason we were looking in Harborview. If you look at a map of the seven cities, that area is the most central location of all of the seven cities. It's like that hub in the middle of a wheel that all the spokes come out of, right? And so we were thinking, what better place to be as Seven Cities Church than right in the center of the seven cities? Let's build right here. Let's plant right here. Let's be in the middle of everything. So we started looking at places in Harborview and we looked at one place and the door shut. The the people never called us back. Even though we were making offers, we went to another place and that was moving along well. And then all of a sudden they were like, yeah, you know what? There's another church too close and they rent from us too. So we don't want to rent to y'all and upset them. Okay. I get it. That door shut. We're like, God, what are you doing? It seems like every door that opens gets closed. What are you doing, God? But every door that God opened happened to be in the city of Portsmouth. Now, Portsmouth does have some affluent people, but Portsmouth also has some areas where people have a lot of need. And God opened this door for us at Venue 757, a phenomenal opportunity for us. But it's smack dab in the middle of a community that, if I'm honest with you, church, they don't have anything of means to give us. And that struck me at first. Because as a church planner, you want to be in a place where when you get new people, they can give. Because that's what helps the church grow. You need resources to do ministry and to bless people and to do things. But God put us smack dab in a place where the people there, they don't have a lot to give. But God knew that we had a lot to give them, right? God knew that he put us in a place that was in the midst of a community where people were in need because these people that are in need are all around us. And God used this year to teach us how to see people the way that he sees them so that when we really see them, we can be moved with compassion. We can have empathy and say, I'm willing to come down to where you are. And that can elicit an active response in us where instead of being a church that closes the doors and says, it's only a club for us, you can't come in. We can be a church that opens our doors and goes out into that community and we can take the life and the love of Christ. We can guide people to life in Christ. And we can even maybe go out there and say, we don't have a lot of silver and gold, but you know what we do have? We know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he can save your marriage. We know the Holy Spirit and we have his power dwelling in us and he can reach your kids. We know the God of the universe who put you here on purpose and for a purpose and he loves you and because he loves you, you have hope and you have purpose. And so now we can come out and we can be the church that God has called us to be and we can guide people to life in Christ, people that have nothing to offer us, but we have everything to offer them because we have a relationship with the king of the universe. And church, let me tell you, as your pastor, as one of your pastors, that excites me. That gets me fired up because I would much rather go reach people who are lost, who are broken, who are hurting. I would much rather see families restored, husbands brought back into the homes, fathers brought back to their children, children reunited with their families, children who aren't loved and have no home be given a home. I'd rather see people be fed who are hungry, be given a drink who are thirsty, be given shelter who are homeless, people be given clothes who are naked. I would rather see all of that happen than to have a church that has a massive building and a hundred million dollar budget and all of that stuff that we think sounds great in the world, because guess what? One day we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with my son? And I would much rather be able to look at God and say, I shared your son with the same kind of people that he came to reach, the people who were broken and hurting, the people who prompted him to say, the well don't need a physician, but the sick do. I would much rather be the church that says that we honored what Jesus said, and we went out and we brought the physician to those who were sick so that he could make them well, just like he made us well. Church, God has given us such an awesome opportunity To be ambassadors for him. God has given us such an awesome opportunity to be salt and light in the midst of darkness. And he's put us in a place where we may be a little bit uncomfortable, but we have a chance to really see people the way that he sees them. And I would challenge you to be a part of that. Do you see people the way that Jesus sees people? Do you see people through God's eyes? I don't know about you, church but I'm ready. I'm fired up. I'm ready to reach this community around us, but it's only going really to happen tru- if we're really willing to truly see them, to see them, to hear them, to know that they are there, to not overlook them, but to be present with them. Are we willing and ready to see them? Church, can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for your word. I thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path, that you use it, to illuminate the way that you would have us to go, Lord. And I thank you that you have shown us in your word that people in need are all around us, Lord, and that you have challenged us to see them the way that you see them. Father, I pray that we would be led by your Holy Spirit, that your Spirit would lead us into places where there are broken people, that your Spirit would lead us into places where people are hurting and hungry and desperate, where healing is needed, and that we would be able to guide them to life in you, just like you've called us to do, knowing that it's not by might or our power, but by your Spirit. I pray that you would lead us by your spirit. Let us be a church that is so in tune with your spirit that when anytime we walk into a neighborhood or a community or when people walk through our doors, that your presence is so tangible, that lives are changed, that chains are broken, that that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage, that people are set free from addiction and depression and anxiety, that marriages and families are restored, Lord God, that you are glorified and that people are impacted. Lord, would you use us that way? I pray, help us to see people the way that you do. And if there's anyone listening right now who hears my voice, and if they are in need, help us to be the church, the brothers and sisters that bear one another's burdens, that lift one another up, that ask the question, what can I do? What do I have to give? How can I help my brother or my sister? Help us to be that church because that also glorifies you and that honors you. And it shows that we are truly your disciples. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We're so just in awe of who you are. And we just praise you for all that you do. In Jesus is in your precious name I pray. Amen. Hey church, I love you. I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm thankful to be one of your.